Hello, and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show on Mondays that uh, we broadcast from this, the Upload Virtual Studios, and uh, we're excited to bring you the news today about uh, industry news, uh, hardware, things like that. Uh, If you want gaming, we have a show for that later on in the week. Let's see who we have on the panel with us today over here to my left. Hello, everyone. Ian Hamilton here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us your time. Check out my hand tracking. It will never get old. It will never get old. (laughs) Indeed. And over here to the far left, we have David Heaney, who is doing his best VR mime impression. Fantastic. You know, I always forget to introduce myself. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'll be here to moderate this discussion and bring you the news headlines as we have these wonderful discussions. Hey, there's Heaney. Hi, everyone. I'm David Heaney, and I write about the technology behind VR and AR. Good stuff, man. All right. So we're all here. My mic is definitely working. Yes, your mic is definitely working. Well, hey, should we just jump right into the news? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, fantastic. All right, well. Our first piece of news for today, Facebook VR spectator tools could evolve into mixed reality. Facebook continues to evolve its spectacular tools for virtual reality, but creating mixed reality footage remains an arduous process from the standalone quest while the company continues to actively explore the approach uh mixed reality it's one of those things it's one of the r's mr like we have with uh you know ar vr xr qr elemental pr well mr mixed reality puts you inside the game for footage uh i suppose uh some form of overlay and facebook is working on a a version of that i'm just going to put it like that because i don't know if it's the version it is definitely a version so what (laughs) what are our thoughts on this all right well the situation here is that uh facebook has been putting out uh plans for broadcast tools out of the oculus quest platform for a while now uh i mean it's it's mostly focused on quest uh since that's pretty much their hardware line now uh but the idea here is uh you can broadcast from uh a quest your first person view and have that merged with uh, basically a third-person view uh, of the headset and merge those two views in real time. That's one way uh, Facebook is more or less expanding its spectator mode. But uh, there's also this idea that uh, the the phone that you have in your hands could uh, actually change the third-person view, the camera, into the virtual world. Uh, with some like controls uh, defined by the developer. And so uh, various VR games have different views and different ways that it might be great to have a peek into that world. Well, uh, Facebook has shown both of these types of camera systems as ways of expanding uh, their spectator mode uh, in a really simple way. The issue here is that uh, they're also working on mixed reality. And some of their language that they put out in, in some of their documentation is a little confusing about which of these types of tools uh, is actually going to be like next uh, and how much equipment you're actually going to need to pull off these types of broadcasts. Because, yeah, mixed reality is amazing, but uh, Facebook needs to keep kind of developing or rolling out the tools 
so that you can really sync up uh, the two realities automatically and easily. And and Facebook isn't the only sort of developer of this mixed reality content and, and tool sets. There's Live, there's Reality Mixer, there's other tools that people have been working at in the community for a long time to make better and better and better. And uh, they work uh, pretty fantastically over there on um, Steam. But getting them really good uh, broadcasting straight out of standalone mixed reality with, with a VR headset like Quest, that's something that hasn't been able to, to pull off in a really easy way. Uh, reality Mixer is pretty close, but you've got to do some uh, some syncing of your locations there, and it's, it can be hard for people. You know, I was going to bring that up because I recall back in the day, uh, and I'm going to date myself here, see how many other people can remember this. Uh, Fantastic Contraptions was the first VR game that I did any level of mixed reality. And I set up a green screen, and then you had to like, cut off there were four panels and you had to cut this piece and then overlay this piece on top of it and it took a lot in terms of uh open broadcaster setup and cropping and putting it all together getting it synced up where your because your your camera field of view and your you know the uh, how many millimeters each thing is in the zoom level and you know there's distortion and you move your controllers and there's a small amount of latency it 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 was a mess to try to set up originally. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I, I've done live and I've done some of these other things. And now we've got this uh, set up here. Uh, I, I think what this is trying to do is the old school, put a little box at the bottom of a YouTube stream that just shows me doing this with my headset on, not really matching up with what I'm doing for my first yeah. person. Yeah. So that's connection. And it's a first person view into the world with that uh, sort of external camera angle. And we're kind of still waiting to get our hands on, on this tool in its first form. So I think Facebook said that they're going to roll it out uh, to just a subset of users initially. And so we haven't actually, tested uh this sort of capture method just yet and uh it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be that kind of classic view which i think is still really good but nothing quite matches being able to uh sync up the two reality locations just right to be able to like show that you pick up an object and throw it over here that kind of like you get across not just what the person is doing but like the effect they have on their virtual world um so having that in a lot of apps or that capture method is a huge would be such a a great way of sharing VR and more uh, in such a great way. Uh, in my article, we brought up the original Steam VR sort of presentation where they did it. I think with post processing, where they mm -hmm. synced up the original Steam VR uh, locations to the virtual world, but doing that in real time. As soon as we could do that with Fantastic Contraption, it's like, oh wait, can we? Can I glue a Vive controller to the camera and mm. carry that around the room? Because I really want a moving camera. And yeah, yeah, sure enough, you could eventually do that with just the right tweaking of settings. But it's that tweaking of settings. You could take hours uh, getting that calibration. And, and that's not going to work in the long term. Uh, I just think it's really interesting that you've got the Oculus app installed on your phone. It should be able to get some information about the camera system. And then uh, you've also got um, the idea that maybe Facebook could use Portal uh, as like a, mm -hmm. a camera system for some of these experiences. And I would love I mean, to see that happen. 
all the all the good ones, all the good mixed reality that I have seen has required a uh, multiple people to be involved. Let's just put it that way. You know, you need somebody to control the camera. You need somebody to control the computer with the capture. You need somebody to actually be playing. I mean, it's a very bare minimum of three people to do it where it looks really good. Or you sacrifice a lot of things like uh, movement, you know, a static camera. Well, you know, look at we can watch people. And we even saw uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently in a video playing Beat Saber with uh, a mixed reality capture. And it's very easy to have that that third person view of the back of his, you know, jeans and T-shirt and see his hands match up to the controllers and and it's it's close enough and i've done that myself i've i've captured video beat saber's easy because it's static you're not moving your character you're just standing in one place this is different we want to be able to move around and so the the next expectation for mixed reality is much higher than where we're at right now even with this tool yeah and uh what i thought was really interesting as i was sort of digging into this story uh, was that that video that Mark Zuckerberg posted was using, uh, as as far as we can tell, the reality mixer apps, and and mm-hmm. not using uh, the current status of the mix of the mixed reality tools that Facebook has rolled out uh, for for its own sort of broadcast system. Now, the idea isn't here that an isn't yeah. that an open source? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's some discussion here that. Um, uh, Facebook's plugin is open source, I believe. It's core uh, mixed reality plugin. And then uh, Fabio uh, Della Antonio is the developer behind the Reality Mixer app. And uh, he also maintains an open source repository for his code. So that could have been Mark Zuckerberg had, had downloaded the, the repo and you know and installed it just from the open source uh, tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also available. Uh, that app is available as an iPhone and I think think an android app uh, i can't remember if it's on android it's just I on see it listed uh, on android i'm pretty sure it's yeah. ios only for now because ar kit in ios actually has the ability built in to segment the human body and and take it out so that's what a lot of these apps are using and live uses that too so because google hasn't released an sdk for that yet as part of ar core android developers would have to do it themselves and uh we know that facebook kind of hinted that they're overlay feature is coming to Android, which suggests they're probably going to use some of their in-house computer vision tech rather than wait for Google to release an SDK specifically for that. Hmm. So, so what's the, what's the next step for this then? I mean, are we going to start seeing uh, YouTube videos of people using this on a regular basis? Or do we think that this is just a stop gap, a step in a much bigger process? I mean, what, what are the predictions here? Well, if you know, a lot of the stuff we've been mentioning so far is available through that Reality Mixer app that you've mentioned, the open source one, or through the PC mixed reality SDKs like Live and even Facebook's own one, which it has on Rift, which you can even use with Quest in a certain way. But again, you're still relying on the PC. But to be clear, what we have on standalone right now, and by standalone, I mean, you just have your Quest and your smartphone. The feature that hasn't even rolled out yet is basically just that segmenting yourself from your background without a green screen. And that's still on the first person view. Now, what we've seen in this uh, Ian's article, that the spectator mode, and uh, I, you know, I've noted that the language even in the documentation for this is very much so intended for developers. It seems even to be in slightly broken English and, and not fully 
finish sentences. So I kind of wonder if Facebook's rushing into this feature now that it's kind of sort of Mark Zuckerberg's used the open source version. Has he kind of turned around to some of his people and said, right, let's get our stuff really kind of running here. If this guy can do it, why can't we? I'm definitely getting that sort of vibe. But but what Mm. this will bring here is just the ability to come in from a third person view that still doesn't mean that you're tracked by the phone if the phone moves the view will have to be shifted again and specifically here if you look up there you can actually see that it's listing the trigger controls so how this works is you from in vr use your thumbstick to to move around the camera and position it into place manually so what what could come next and again it's very important to note that this hasn't even launched yet this is part of their developer documentation we haven't seen any app yet support this but what would come next we would expect is the ability for the iPhone app to track its position relative to the headset and do that and sort of be able to have the third person view automatically. But again, it'll probably take quite some time because again, what's mentioned in this documentation is when you're in a standalone headset, this is like rendering a third eye when you go to a third person perspective. The feature that's launching soon, the live overlay that just overlays you on your first person view, that's doing all the work on the phone and not adding any any extra work to the headset. But once you start going to a third person view, that's putting a lot more work on the headset. So they mentioned here that they increase the CPU and GPU frequency, but that's going to deplete your battery very quickly and, and maybe even lead to overheating. So so from a developer perspective, uh, in order for you to get that third-person camera that can be moved around, that requires an actual camera be put in the game for this purpose. Am I, am I correct there, Heaney? Well, their SDK does that for you, but you would have to download the latest. It's just added to the very latest version of the Oculus SDK that, that we've seen this in. You know, we that's the we haven't actually seen any apps build this in, but a developer should theoretically be able to plug this in relatively easily. But under the hood, yes, that's what it's doing. There's a third camera, essentially a third eye. So it's a render, and which means it takes up processing power. So this is something that if you're going to use this feature uh be prepared because of the finite uh you know capabilities of a mobile device that this is going to have limitations i mean there's going to possibly even be a performance uh degradation maybe just a tiny a bit because it's rendering yet another camera well, they mentioned here that they increase the CPU and GPU frequency, so it's it probably won't be a performance hit. It'll probably more just be an extreme battery life and heat hit. So the headset, you know, if you're doing this for an arm or you you could see it overheating if they're if they're doing that. But we'll have to sure, see why apps integrate sure. it. Maybe they can reduce the resolution, etc. Th- there's always a trade off, no matter what. There's always a trade off when they add new features like this. I I have this comment uh, in my notes here from. Uh, Della Antonio, the the developer of the Reality Mixer app. And uh, the comment there was, uh, this is a direct quote here. Uh, I quote, generally, I generally see this as a positive thing. It means that these videos will become even more accessible and that they'll start making some improvements to the existing Oculus Mixed Reality Capture mechanism, uh, Della Antonio wrote. As for my app, its future compatibility with the Quest will depend on the changes they make to the MRC mechanism. I'm still working on the app as normal. I've recently added support for avatars using ARKit's body tracking, and I'm also working on supporting physical green screens. There are some other things I could do to improve the calibration process and to allow the user to move the camera around the scene. And uh, here's the last bit of this quote, which I think is so important that I wanted to get out here. Uh, To do some of this stuff, to improve the calibration process, he says... 
Uh, quote, but that it required changes to how the Oculus MRC protocol works. It'd be interesting to know if Oculus has similar plans and ideas. One reason I was able to start working on my app last year was because the Oculus MRC plugin for OBS was open source. And that's also why I've kept my app open source. It'd be nice if they could open source their new mobile mixed reality solution. That's a lot of mentions of open source. I mean, obviously, and by the way, MRC, Mixed Reality Capture, it it makes you wonder, this is not new. This is something that has been hanging around in the VR scene for quite a while. What drives somebody like Mark Zuckerberg to suddenly want to pursue this? Is it because of some level of new revelatory discovery of something that they can do? Or are they putting a lot of effort into this? And this is just speculation. I know nothing uh, about this. Is it possible that there is uh, another company who is going to produce this type of capability? Hmm. And it's this is them keeping up with the Joneses or, you know, keeping up with the the, the, the Tim Apples or something. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Tim <laughs> Apples. Yeah, it's a very interesting theory there that uh, you are competing. Uh, Facebook is competing almost overnight with uh, hundreds of millions of top-of-the-line cameras being put in everyone's hands on a yearly basis. And so uh, this would be an area we could expect Apple to do something amazing with. Uh, it's it's very interesting to know that the same uh, Unreal Engine tools are what kind of made the Mandalorian production schedule possible. So being able to produce uh, a really, really high-end graphical effects merged between two realities if you could really give that to iMovie makers at home uh that would be a pretty killer amazing thing and very in line with the kind of stuff apple will do but it's only going to be it's only going to be doable when you can really uh have rock solid segmentation like these these features that apple and and the other companies are trying to roll out so, yeah, I think that there's that's a very interesting theory that they could be trying to get it up to par. And I don't know. There's this idea that Mark Zuckerberg has a lead with Quest 2. And I could imagine him uh, wanting to make sure anything that Apple is that, that they think Apple might do or others might do, they want to have a better version of it. I could see uh, Mark Zuckerberg not wanting to sort of leave that up to chance. So I, I kind of agree that this is probably a competitive response, but I'm, I'm not sure Apple is is the answer. I think this is probably related to Facebook's recent push in Facebook gaming. You know, they, as hard as it would sound to believe in the gaming community, they really want to take on Twitch with Facebook gaming. And it seems like they've reported some growth <laughs> in that area. So it seems like this is a natural evolution of bringing what you can do in VR into the Facebook gaming live streaming scene, because then it also has the advantage of, you're, it's free advertising for Oculus virtual reality products because people scroll down their Facebook or Instagram feed and they see these uh, these mixed reality experiences and it's much, much easier to understand what VR is like when you're seeing your friend in it than when you're just seeing some sort of screenshot from it. Just to quickly answer uh, Anthony's question here in the comments, uh, this is a Quest feature. Yes, this is for iPhone only at the moment and it actually hasn't rolled out 
yet. It may have rolled out to a few people, but they definitely has not widely rolled out yet. And to be clear, the first feature here is just that you point your, you place your phone over in the corner of your room, your iPhone 10 or higher, maybe 10s even, and then you will see yourself segmented like that on your first person view. It's not third person. It's not mixed reality yet. It's just that, and that is coming at some point in the future. It's supposed supposed to be rolled out. The last point that I want to make about this is that um, the reason why I picked Apple as the competitor response, uh, the the competitor that Facebook is responding to, is that Apple's ecosystem uh, makes it very easy. You know exactly what camera, you know exactly what device, you know exactly what software, all of the curated content that will be on Apple's whatever headset is all going to talk to each other perfectly without having to know, oh, I'm using the Logitech K4 whatever camera, or I'm using the Canon T3i with the 55 millimeter lens. You don't, there's no guesswork. When Apple's stuff comes out, it'll all know each other Mm -hmm. because you'll only be able to use that hardware. Facebook has a long journey to go to get to that same spot because they have to have a lot of universal compatibility built into this, or at least enough compatibility that it works for most people. Yeah, so real-time relighting of the scene. So so of being able to give the illusion that as these Beat Saber boxes are flying at you, they're actually throwing out light that reflect onto your physical body. Uh, that is something that, like, Apple and really, really, like, next-gen version of this tech should be able to do. Um, and if it's done real-time and, and in a really high rate of speed way people are going to eat up those types of videos and want to record those types of videos all the time but it's just what i'm what i'm describing here is a very very high-end hard technique to pull off where uh the lighting from your virtual world lights your real world body in in real time so that you've got a like a just an incredible AR or, or almost like special effects produced video from whatever you were doing in, in the virtual world. I want that. And even if you get to the step of having mixed reality out of these apps, unless you can light the person dynamically like that, it, it's still like something people will want that not all systems can do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to answer this question, Onakazi, um, what do you mean by camera pointed at the user? So far, all, uh, all we know is that it's inside out. So we're not talking about a camera on the headset. We're talking about the camera from the device, the phone, or whatever that has the app built in. So that that's the camera that's facing you. You can't – You it would be impossible – well, okay, highly improbable that an, a mixed reality capture would come from the headset itself because you would have to have a another camera behind you or out in front. I mean, I'm sure somebody could – 3d print some sort of weird rig but the interface it still has to go to the app uh the app is doing some of the legwork here yeah do we have yeah, anything I, else that we want to say about mixed reality before we move on i was just going to say you know the, the point you brought up about the different lens intrinsics is, is actually quite a valid point that that's going to make it very very difficult for them to scale this out on android because as you say every lens system on android 
that camera has a different field of view. It has a different, all of these different optical properties that they need to know in advance. And that is the advantage of building on Apple's platform and, and why we've seen this feature coming to iOS first. If you use ARKit, all of that is handled for you. You don't have to think about that at all as long as someone has one of the supported devices. And, you know, with each version of ARKit, and, you know, the latest we have here on the screen here showing us three, that had to drop a few devices generations. And I'm sure the next generation of ARKit that maybe does add some of those interesting features like scenery lighting, which is a very, very popular thing in uh, computer vision and machine learning right now. There's papers coming out every week. It, you know, a few years ago it was AI upscaling, and now it is scenery lighting. But the question is, when Apple does that, will that drop another kind of lower generation of devices and mean people have to get newer and newer devices? Facebook's challenge will be, can it roll out its own computer vision tech on Android that works generically enough that they don't have to rely on that sort of system? And and that is always been the pain of Android, is that uh, because it supports so many different things, uh, there's uh, segmentation in the market. And uh you either support things or you don't, and you're always going to make somebody mad no matter what if you don't support everything. So, all right. <clears throat> well, let's move on to the next news piece here. Looks like Virtuix, our old buddies Virtuix, raises $19 million for consumer Omni One VR treadmill. Virtuix raised another $19 million as part of a Series a2, that's fun, uh, funding, which is which it will use to launch the Omni One later this year. Now, the Virtuix Omni has had an interesting journey throughout the years. Uh, there have been multiple iterations of their product. There have been multiple technology changes and thing. It's come and it's gone and it's come and it's gone. Uh, and now it looks like uh, this Omni One had a uh, treadmill. It's not really a treadmill. I don't know what to call it. Um, it it's just a, slip a mill. bowl. I, what, what is it? Some people call it a slip mill. I, I've heard that term thrown around. I'm not sure if it's a serious term or not. But a, you know slip a slip mill. mill. That sounds like a Slipping our way across virtual reality. No, no, thank you. <clears throat> so here's, here's the fun thing about this uh, product. Because I've tried multiple iterations of this product. It used to have a, uh, like a, uh, like a cage around your waist to stop you from moving around and uh, from wandering off of it. It's changed size. It's changed. Uh, the one thing that has stayed consistent, though, is the shoes, is needing to wear their special bowling shoes with the special slippy, disky things on the bottom or, or the whole surface, I guess, is now that. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I have... Well, I wear size 13 double E. Uh, I have big feet. And every time I've ever gone to try this, I they have not had a shoe. I mean, I could squeeze into a 12 and have it be painful. But I have this requirement of specifically for the shoes. But if I ask, you know, a buddy of mine to come over and he has size six, am I supposed to have a gamut of different shoe sizes um i don't know i mean out of all the virtuix products that have come out over the course of the last couple years this one seems to be the closest 
It seems to be the absolute closest to what I would expect for a home unit. It doesn't take up a lot of room. Looks like it's actually going to work. Um, yeah, I don't know. What does this have? Like a $2,000 price tag? Just under two grand, I think. Yeah, just under um, I, don't, I don't know. What, what are our thoughts so far uh, on this product? I, you know, that's the, I've tried the, some of some iteration of this. I can't remember which, um, at this point. And I, I just, I'd much prefer not to rely on a hardware system like this. I, I'm not gonna, people are really excited out there about the, uh, pulley systems for their cords. Like there's plenty Mm -hmm. of people who, really pursue the pulley systems and I, yep. I totally more power to you good for you doing that but i don't think that's an average person type thing to set up i don't think uh millions of people are going to go through the effort of doing a pulley system and that's what makes these types of walking systems so impossible unless it's very very close to real walking like the thing we saw in ready player one here where he's running at high speed across this thing exactly normally uh I don't think it's going to be a large market. Technically thing. that was an actual treadmill because that was an Infinidec with, with this thing, you know, I could say that I am a VR gamer and only play beat saber, which is a, a game that you do not move your feet. You are very static. And then I could say that I go and I play, um, I don't know, Echo or maybe Squadrons or a, a game where you it does not require you to run around uh, Fortnite style, <laughs> I guess, just to use the kids terminology. This specific product is meant for people who want to play games where you are constantly on the move. And yes, there are plenty of games like that. But are those the core? Like you wouldn't want to use this to play uh, 11 table tennis. You wouldn't want to use this to do a lot of games that are out on the market that are very popular. Your target audience for this type of product is, number one, people who are have VR headsets. Number two, people who are avid gamers. And number three, people who are playing specific games that require this type of locomotion. So you're taking a small subset of the gaming community and then making it smaller and smaller and smaller. So who is going to buy this at $2,000 to be an accompaniment for a less than a thousand dollar headset? Uh, I don't, I don't know what to think about it. Yeah. I, I like this comment here uh, from cake saying that haptic suits interest me much more than a treadmill. And I have to agree with that. Like the, mm, but still yeah, to this day, and so. I guess yeah. this will wrap up well with uh, the, the next part of our discussion. Uh, where uh, we're going to get into sort of arcades a bit. But um, my most memorable experience that I've tried in VR still to date is the Nicodemus Void experience where I was wearing their haptic vest and I was cowering in VR as I knew a monster was right behind me coming toward me. And I did this thing that I, I typically do in scary VR experiences where I just look away and close my eyes. And I, I'm able to like tune out the audio enough to not be scared anymore. But in this particular experience, this monster came up behind me and jabbed me in the shoulder. Like I felt the haptic suit on my back 
activate in the shoulder area. And it, it, it was the most terrifying thing ever to happen in, in VR because my brain absolutely got convinced that this monster got me in the back. And I, I want that experience in any VR horror experience going forward. Uh, having any sort of subtle uh, monster crawling on you is going to instantly feel 10 times more terrifying having a haptic vest. And I would definitely want that before a treadmill. Heaney, what do you think? I mean, I think it's appropriate that they're finally calling it the Omni One. As you say, this is kind of, if you have to build a consumer treadmill system or slide mill or whatever you call it, this kind of is the minimum viable product. And it gets down to the maximum kind of viable price, which is $2,000. You know, anything over that, and it's ridiculous. And even at $2,000, obviously, that's an incredibly niche market. But the question is, where is this kind of technology going to go next? And as you know, as the commenters are saying here, it doesn't feel anything like walking to slide on something like that it feels a little bit more like it when you get to something like the infinidec you're mentioning you know in ready player one but you still don't actually have a sensation of walking and the problem with the infinidec is that you then cannot ship that at a reasonable price to a consumer market at all i guess the the only prospect here of positive hope is that when we get very very high quality body tracking and it's high quality enough and reliable enough that it could track a person running and have their legs with almost no error, you could probably build a cheaper kind of Infinidec that moves in reaction to where you're about to move rather than kind of proactively. Sorry, that rather than reactively. But again, I, I can't see that happening. So it's one of those things where unless we get GVS, which is galvanic vestibular stimulation, and we've seen a few prototypes of that over the years from small companies and labs, and even even Samsung had one at one point for Gear VR. And the idea of that is you can put some kind of vibration just behind your inner ear and make you think that you're moving. If we get that, and they can compare, can, they can pair it with a treadmill, and so you feel like you're moving while you're actually moving your legs. Then yeah, you see the value proposition of this start getting much higher, but. Today, there's no actual sensational difference from just pushing a thumbstick forward than sliding your feet. So I'm not sure how widely this will appeal. But again, this is the result of a multi-year journey. And what they're trying to do here is just ship something for the people who really do want this at a reasonable price that can actually fit in their living room. And they have, if you look at this product, they've, they've finally gotten to that point. You know, uh, I wonder sometimes about what the actual value to this sort of product is to the industry at large. And I feel like this is the type of product that sells VR. It, it definitely sells it because people know that this is capable because they've seen this in TV shows and in movies. They know that this is where we want to be. Now, the reality is, is how many people will actually buy this product? I would, I would love to know, and obviously we never will, uh, what the margin is on this cost to build versus what they're selling it for. Because I, I would love to know, there, I have a lot of questions about this product. How heavy is the base? How compact does it get when you fold it up? Um, how strong, you know, did they get the people who made the elite strap for Oculus to build that bar uh, for the, <laughs> for the, for the waist, uh, you know, the holding area? If I lean too far, uh, will the whole thing topple over and I'll be attached to it as it falls down? I don't know. I have a lot of questions that I would almost have to have one of these 
to be able to test it out. So Virtuix, if you're watching, send one to upload. <laughs> Give us a call. We'll tell you who to send it to. We'll have it sent to Ian. We'll let Ian break it and then send it to me and then I'll break just, it. You know, we'll, we'll take just turns. fall over it and send the Yeah, what's the shipping cost <laughs> on one of these uh that's that I mean that's the ultimate question. You asked about the weight and like the shipping cost adds up so quickly on these things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the that's the the opposite of sort of the direction that VR is going even just in the broadest terms of just shipping the small little box and having you have a VR experience out of it. Why, why tack on uh, basically a tripod? You know, it's interesting over the years at different conventions and expos, I have attempted, I've tried out multiple different forms of locomotion answers. There's things like shot cyber shoes, which has been, you know, doing a lot of updates and stuff. And that's one novel approach. Uh, I've done one before where it's just a big directional pad and you want to move forward, you take a step forward, then you can step back to stop. And if you want to go backwards, you can step back. So you're just basically walking on a giant D pad. Um, it was novel. It was also very cheap and easy because it was just like one of those old, you know, ape and Nintendo mats you roll up to do the, the, you know, the track stuff. Uh, you know, locomotion is hard and uh, this is a solution. Time will tell and the industry will tell whether this is a viable and acceptable solution, but we have to have pioneers making stuff like this in order for us to test it, to see what works, what doesn't, what will become adopted mainstream and what won't. I mean, this is necessary. I'm not going to say that they shouldn't have made this. This is definitely necessary. The thing I'm, uh, I would really like the the research I would really like to see bear fruit is the idea of redirected walking applied with more consumer level hardware. So Heaney was talking about body tracking a little bit earlier, but if you can get uh, really great eye tracking uh, and give a person a little bit of space, you can do tricks like behind the person have a door switch from this wall to this wall. And so when the person turns around, they see a door on a different wall than the one they actually walked in on. And you can sort of expand your virtual space to that kind of like subtle redirected walking. And I believe there's uh, lines of research where they could adjust the world around you when your eyes uh, saccade from one location to another that there's sort of like a a period there where your eyes have not yet taken a new stimulus where they could move the world uh, just a slight bit and Mm -hmm. i think once we get a consumer vr platform that has that kind of keyed in eye tracking plus uh a large space you could have some really, really great stuff. That's the thing. You do need a large space. I have done that redirected walking stuff. Uh, I did it at a uh, a university lab that they had a giant area. It was basically an old gymnasium, and they had an OptiTrack system all around the top of this thing. And I'm walking, and they said, I said, well, if I keep walking, I'm going to run into this wall. And they're like, just keep walking. I'm like, all right. And so the video of me doing the walk, I felt like I was walking in a straight line for like a quarter mile. No, I was just going around in a circle and it looked and felt perfect. It did not feel like somebody was turning my head manually. So yes, uh, large spaces, redirected walking can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think that builds yeah, on what Adam Hartzell was saying in the comments there. You know, he was saying... Uh, 
nothing tricks your brain more. Uh, sorry, nothing will trick your brain harder and give you more immersion than actually walking around in VR. And in a comment before mm-hmm. that, he brought up Tea for God, which is a, a quest game on uh, SideQuest. I'm, I'm not sure if it ever came to Apple, but it's definitely on SideQuest. And in that game, as you turn each corner, it's a very, very small space, but as you turn each corner, the world changes so that the only locomotion you're doing is walking with your feet. And even if you're in a small space, you can traverse what is quite a large level. You know, that's kind of a very primitive way of doing redirected walking, just changing the environment as the player goes around without kind of trying to even trick them. You know, they're aware of what's going on. I think as as VR kind of gets richer mixed reality capabilities in the future, we probably will see more games where you are walking around in your room because, you know, all this problem that we're trying to solve here with things like treadmills and all these locomotion ideas is this kind of push forward on a thumbstick to move. And, and that comes from traditional gaming and it, it has its place in VR and it'll likely be very, very popular in VR. And there are games you cannot build without a thumbstick moving. But I, I really doubt that's going to be the most popular type of VR game in going forward in the long term. So it's questionable whether we'll, we'll maybe need treadmills like these if VR game design itself evolves over time. Anthony in our comments talking about his uh, Ninja Run locomotion. I'd be very curious to try that out. That sounds like fun. That's awesome. The only board like this that succeeded it. We the Wii Fit board. Did you any of you have the for the Nintendo Wii the little balance board? I feel like something Mm -hmm. like that could work quite well for VR. You know, you could have uh, different things like skateboarding, snowboarding. You could do lean to locomote. You know, just lean forward to go forward. It's strange that unless I'm completely drawing a blank here and there is a product like this, I haven't heard anything like that in VR yet. Um, no, I think the closest thing that comes to that, I mean, maybe cyber shoes. Um, I don't know. I'm still waiting to see if cyber shoes ends up becoming popular. I mean, I, I, you, both of you, if either of you, Ian, I think I know you've tried it, right? Um, it would have or been a that, long time ago. I, I think it was da- David, the, the da- people David who we who? won't talk about anymore. Da- yeah. David? Who's David? Uh, yeah. But yeah, a previous employer or employee. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how locomotion is going to go. I, I think in reality or in virtual reality, um, haptics is probably more likely to be a bigger deal than locomotion. So I don't know. But this this product does get us into. It gets us into, it's a perfect lead in for our next news piece. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into that now here because it'll, it'll segue perfectly. Um, Oh, that's funny. Smash reality just mentioned segues in the, in the uh, chat. Uh, Far Cry VR arcade game gets a trailer launches worldwide. This previously announced Far Cry VR arcade game is launching at locations today. I don't know if it was written today or tomorrow or yesterday, but and we got our first look. Now, uh the idea of out of home entertainment uh location-based LBE, there's all sorts of fun acronyms and whatnot. Uh places like The Void, which Ian you and I have done together uh at least once. W- what 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 is there life after covid for vr arcades is my question and uh, it's it's funny as as i was cleaning up my house uh at some point this year i found a stack of the old 
sort of passes uh, that you have to get into these places. They give you like a mm. little ticket, a physical ticket, and uh, you can go into the Void, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars, Marvels, Yeah, Jumanji, do all these various yeah. experiences. Mm-hmm. You get a real ticket, and you take home that real ticket at the end of a lot of these experiences. And, I'm, and I found the stack of them, and I got really sort of sad or nostalgic for those days of going out to these locations. Uh, you know, I think it's almost, it's poetic uh, that our last experience in the void was as broken as it was. <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> when, we, when we went to the Las Vegas location, they tried to show us Jumanji and yeah. it broke on us twice, uh, just flat out, just standing there on a cliff, looking around for about, about five, 10 minutes, wondering what's going to happen next. Yeah, um, the suspense was killing me. And then it turns out it was just broken. <laughs> Yeah, we had to take our headsets off. We got to see behind the scenes of yeah. sort of those locations where they don't really let you see that a lot of the barriers end at waist high. Uh, the walls are just, you know, not all not all of them go all the way to the roof. Um, mm. And they're managing you being able to turn around into very, very small places. Um, you know, you don't need a giant space to make... A, you don't need a whole warehouse in order to trick people into thinking they've got some some space. But also, when you have four of these headsets walking around right next to each other, you bump into each other, and that could be actually a, a fun part of the experience if it's a scary thing and you're kind of all grouping together. But at the same time, that's there's also these shooter experiences where they give you really a giant warehouse and you're able to walk around and shoot shoot people. Um, I. I don't know. I I feel like such a hypocrite that I went to. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated two weeks after my last shot, and I went to my first uh, sort of ticketed event in a year and a half, uh, a baseball game over the weekend. And I'm the only one in my entire section uh, still wearing a mask. I didn't. I didn't think it was fair for my uh, my kid to have a mask and me not to have a mask. It's like I'm vaccinated, kid. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I did feel like explaining that to him. Uh, that is, there's thousands of people around me at that location. How safe is that venue, and how safe was it for the two of us? And is it any safer than actually taking a headset off another person, wiping it down with some kind of hand sanitizer, or theoretically putting it into a machine and having uh, a UV light take it, you know, desanitize it? Or being in an outdoor open venue, like I have no idea. Heena, you're the you've been reading sort of the scientific reports and this stuff. Which which is going to be more transmissive, an open air outdoor venue, or uh, wiping down a VR headset and handing handing it to another person? Well, the indoors only, though it heavily depends on what kind of ventilation they have. If these location based VR systems are very well ventilated. They could get comparable to outdoors, but but in general, outdoors is always better because with any amount of wind at all, it'll disperse the virus quite quite effectively. But um, you know, so it, it really is one of those things where people may have to ask, you know, on the website, it, do you have the right kind of ventilation? I think in general, you know, just talking outside of VR, we probably are going to see a ventilation revolution ac- across our civilizations just as there was kind of a sanitization mm-hmm. one after the spanish flu 100 years ago but you know that is the kind of question you're going to want to ask you know when you're looking to go to a location-based vr event what kind of ventilation do you have what are your safety procedures but 
you know, even looking further out once the, you know, pandemic is a thing of the past, I, I still don't really see the appeal of these sort of things. I think I get the idea that they provide the space. And I think there is a model in the future where you bring your own headset. But I don't see the I, I just can't see the economics of these companies constantly every few years having to purchase a whole new fleet of headsets to keep up with the consumer market really working out, especially as the adoption of VR and consumer homes kind of increases and increases. Even prior to COVID being a thing, I questioned the length of time that an LBE, a location-based entertainment venue, an arcade, we'll just call them arcades. I questioned how long an arcade would last in a new industry like this. So obviously a bunch of them popped up. There's a couple here in Seattle that I have been to many of them, uh, you know, like the void has multiple locations. There's other ones had, around. Had. Yeah. Well, had rip. Uh, I, I wondered, I said the viability of this is five years. That was my prediction was five years of this before everybody just has it at home and there's no reason to go because that's what happened to arcades when I was a kid is that nobody went to arcades anymore because you just had a console at home where you can play most of the games you wanted to play anyway. The only thing that you were missing out on was the shared experience. And I, and I think that a lot of people are uh, getting I think that there is a revolution a renaissance so to speak of shared experiences i mean look at if somebody had asked me 10 years ago what i thought would be the viability of escape rooms i would have never put any money down that that was going to be a thing but sure enough everybody and their brother goes and sister goes to a, an escape room for birthday parties and team building events and blah 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 and they're everywhere and I mean, hell, there's probably two of them within five miles from my house. I don't know how good they're doing right now with COVID, but I mean, prior to COVID, it was a big deal. Is it possible that just because those of us who have already been down this road before see that this might not be viable, that it doesn't matter what we think because people know what they want and that's what they're going to go do is this sort of thing. So maybe there is life after COVID for VR arcades. I don't know. Mm. you've both been yeah. to these what, what were the costs what were the kind of ticket price that you have to pay uh, to get to these experiences oh it's true uh what, what no, was I'm the value of this like, um, can you think yeah, of, can you remember off the top of your head what the ticket price is on any of these 20 to 40 yeah 20 to 40, 20 to 40 bucks for per uh, person you know maybe like a 15 to 20 minute experience more like 30 minutes when you strap in and strap out time sure. that's okay typically, it's 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 some portion of a 30 minute is you're actually spent in the experience it seems like, I mean, I'm not familiar yeah. with U.S. prices, but how does that compare to things like paintball and laser tag and other things you might find in a mall in a similar kind of context to this? Is that higher or lower? Mm. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, yet. so it's like been, I, I've got a, it's been a, long I've got time a mini golf place near me. And <laughs> it's maybe 10 bucks a person uh, or maybe like a little bit less than a 10 bucks a person. Uh, so that's, you know, for 30 minutes of mini golf going 18 rounds on a physical golf course, uh, it doesn't compete uh favorably with that sort of experience like it, it gets up to 120 dollars uh or more for four people to go into one of these things uh together and that is really really tough and they were going into these like high rent locations like downtown disney and uh malls where i just don't see enough people 
using those things. I want the B. Yeah, I definitely want the BYOB. The I want to go back to that Nicodemus experience that I talked about earlier, where uh, I, I guess I can do. Can I do a spoiler if they're you know? Uh, I guess no one's probably likely to see this thing anytime soon. One of the things they have you do is you put your hand out onto this platform and you feel a piece of metal. Uh, I believe you see a piece of metal out on uh, this table. Put your hand on it and you see it in VR and a little creature comes out like a like a almost like a the character that you have on like a clock coming out when the clock strikes a certain time. It comes out next to my hand with a little axe and smacks and, and the little axe comes down and hits my wrist. And at the very moment that the axe comes down on my wrist, the thing I'm touching, the metal platform vibrates. And so there's this incredible effect where I feel like my hand has just been cut off by this little thing that came out and with, with the little axe. Fantastic, fantastic little haptic effect where on Quest right now, you can define your desk and you can define your couch. And if you get real creative as a developer and you could, you could actually access those APIs, you might be able to pull off some sort of small-scale a uh, very scary or, or haptically intensive experience by just, you know, vibrating a table at the exact moment that someone is touching the table. You could have a pretty cool little small scale version of what the void offered in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I found it interesting, Heaney, that you asked about, and you guys were talking about golf and laser tag and things like that. You know, those are experiences that you, you experience it with other people. You interact with those other people. You look at them eye to eye, face to face. You say things to them and everything. With these experiences, I, I feel like I'm isolated together with another group, with a group of people. I'm isolated, but with other people as well. I'm, I'm aware of their presence. I know that they're doing things, but I'm not necessarily interacting with them. If I'm on a golf course and I'm playing golf with Ian and Heaney here, uh, we could be shooting the breeze while we're shooting our balls and everything is just very interactive and casual. With this sort of thing, you don't really have that same type of experience. You know, Heaney, what, what's your comment? Yeah, that is the, that is the fundamental problem with all of these location-based VR experiences. And it kind of reminds me of, do you remember in 2015 when Facebook was first showing off the Oculus Touch toy box demo and you would be a one-on-one -on -one experience where the other person is in the other room? But I remember the thing that they kept saying to people, you know, everyone that tried it and everyone that was coming along to video it, they kept saying over and over, the thing we really want you to realize here is the person in that room could have been on the other side of the planet. That part didn't matter. And I feel like it's still hard for a lot of people to kind of get because, you, you know, you see this constant appeal for co-location. And I guess that's useful for when you have people in, you know, a large physical space that you can share and you don't want to bump into each other. But fundamentally, the point of VR is to, you know, to, to steal Facebook's ridiculous little kind of motto to defy, defy distance. distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I was going to have to use that one. But it doesn't, you know, as you say, you put on this headset and you're no longer there with those people. Or to put it more accurately, you put on that headset and it wouldn't make a difference if those people were at home in their own houses or you were and you were at home in yours. There's no difference to you other than the physical interaction 
methods with some of these employ. But even then, as Ian mentioned, you know, there's ways you can develop that in. And is that really worth this huge high ticket price? So, you know, I see these things as competing with those things like mini golf and laser tag, but somehow missing the point of those, which is, as you say, you're there physically with your friends. And, you know, VR's purpose is mainly in a social context to enrich the kind of way you can hang out with your friends when you can't be with them in person. If you can be with your friends in person, why would you want to go somewhere and then put a VR headset on again? Why not just go and do something, as you say, something real, if you can really be with your friends? So another thing I wanted to bring up about this type of uh, uh, location-based experience is the the cost, the overhead, the it, it, I'm Joe businessman or Jane businessman, business person, and I want to start one of these things up. Okay, fine. Then I'm going to have to buy sweet rigs to run it, or I'm going to have to have multiple headsets so the batteries can constantly be charged. I mean, if you look at the, the setup, all the custom stuff that is used for things like the void, I mean, the cost is I can't even imagine what kind of money they're making versus what it costs. And Ian referred to the high profile rent and, and how much it costs to actually have an experience, a place, a location for this type of experience. It's enormous. And so is there, because of how much it costs, is it going to deter business people from even investing in this sort of concept because it might be viewed as a finite like did covid kill the vr arcade or is it just naturally staying put in its same spot or will it thrive because of the demand i I just have so many questions and nothing but speculation to answer them with yeah i i think i go back to the co-location api really needs to get here for the stuff to be unlocked in in a really great way what we're discussing now, whether it's the toy box demo or not, you can have such incredible experiences uh, with with sort of pretty simple haptic physical spaces. It's just uh, you need to really make it easy for developers to sync up the location of two devices, and it needs to extend even to sort of the standalone system. Facebook has uh, complete control over how uh how and who sort of gets to access the insight tracking system on on the quest headsets and until you have a sort of standalone based uh you know someone willing to go out and develop a really great location based experience I, I that was one i forgot about uh the alien experience uh they were using uh at the alien experience gear vrs i believe for a fully positionally tracked alien location-based VR experience. Uh, The phones ran hot, and uh, the aliens were the lowest polygon uh, versions of aliens, I think, that have ever been invented. Like, just, you know, the simplest-looking alien uh, xenomorphs you could possibly imagine. But... Uh, this was a step in the in the right direction, in my opinion, uh, compared to a lot of these other things. And it's just Facebook has completely locked down what they'll let platforms do with this. And I think until we see sort of standalone location-based VR return, it's 
unlikely to happen in a serious way. Yeah, I, I would like the- to see, because I, I don't know, I have a soccer field down the road, tennis court in my neighborhood. I could very easily go over to there with my children. We could all three put on uh, VR headsets and experience something like, you know, like they did at uh, Oculus Connect with Dead and Buried Arena. I mean, I, I should be able to now, right now, today, have a game where I could set that up, go set up a big area, map it out, and play a game like that with multiple people, multiple headsets, uh, co-location, aware of where each other are. I, I should be able to do that right now, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the value of these locations. It is their physical space. But but as you both mentioned, if they have to provide that space and then also somehow keep up with all of the innovation in VR, you know, they either have to build these expensive gaming PCs and put in VR headsets that'll be outdated in a year or two and then re-put them all in again. Or as Ian mentioned, they could go for the standalone route in future if Facebook does make that possible. But even then, then they're going to have to... Do, deliver experience that is very low polygon and isn't high fidelity so it's not the kind of cinematic experience that their content partners are going to want in places like this you know when you have alien and far cry and etc people don't want to see that in low fidelity they want if they're going to pay this 40 dollars per person they want that pc experience so it kind of seems like there is no real viable economic path these places other than to as we've been alluding to become the space for these things but not try to be the vr provider Maybe in future we could see developers build support, add support to their game through these co-location API. And as you said, Kyle, you just bring them to any one of these spaces and that game that already exists in the consumer market and has a consumer component becomes this location-based uh, arena scale experience rather than trying to kind of be custom built just for that one arcade. It's almost as if we have to build a home arcade. <laughs> it's it's very intriguing Ian. i see you keep trying to put up the uh the dead and bury arena video is that not uh yeah i don't, I don't know it plays for playing. a few seconds hmm i don't think the videos are playing i tried the far cry one earlier uh, daniel noticed in the comments daniel yes i was trying to play the far cry video earlier it uh it seems that the videos aren't playing right now you know i want to um, make a comment yeah. about this uh daniel uh in in the in the chat here he says, I, f- I feel like post-COVID VR will have a bit of a drop-off. I know people that literally only bought it because of the pandemic and will likely rarely use it uh, past that. I disagree uh, respectfully. Uh, I understand, though, that a lot of people have that idea that once I can go back outside, I'm not going to want to do this again. Um, there will be some people who do that, who throw it in the closet and it collects dust. But I feel like there's going to be enough momentum that that will be small, a small subsection of the people who bought VR during the the pandemic. I I think that there's going to be more to it. I just think that it's going to require more stuff like the things we talk about on a regular basis on this show to come to fruition and be available. So that, that's just my two cents. But it's a good comment, and, and it's a valid comment to make and something that we do need to keep our eyes on in the future. Hmm. Yeah, I would just go back to the point that, you know, 
I, I, the reason I would disagree with that is because, again, VR is not meant to replace real life. It's not trying to replace real life. And I, I dearly hope it doesn't replace real life at any point in the future. What, what VR replaces is those times where you can't be together in person, where together you'd be using WhatsApp or Skype or playing a 2D game or you know any of the other ways that you currently remotely hang out with people by staring at a little 2D rectangle in front of you that has a you know little webcam representation of them in the corner and you can maybe hear them. VR's purpose is to replace those moments with something that more closely approximates real life. You know, it's not, so I don't see people going back to real life as being a thing because eventually at the end of the day, no matter how great what you've just done today is, you're going to want to go home and, and, you know, you're not going to stay out in real life forever. You have to go home at some point and you're going to want to still keep talking to your friends. Yeah. I mean, VR is great, but reality is the only place you can really get a good meal. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I I want to see someone do more of the experimentation, like T for God. I would love to. I think there needs to be more apps where you can kind of assume a person has ten feet by ten feet, or fifteen by fifteen feet, or maybe slightly more, twenty or thirty by thirty. Because I, I hope the VR market is big enough where people can really sort of experiment more with what what you can do at that scale um with those people who are far away so like if i can have a an escape room experience crawling through a a, a quite larger space um it really feels great to to kind of you know more than just the when you walk from one room to another it's such a like eye-opening thing and no one all these vr headsets that we have today assume that you only have one room to operate in and uh if you can just extend that out to two rooms or have a table that's shared with you and someone who's far away you can do such amazing things like i i so one of these seagraph conferences they had a weather uh producer above your head where it both it, it put out heat it put out rain or like little like mist uh particles uh, and it put out uh, an immense amount of heat. And as soon as you're like in a hot place with another person, you're both getting like heat thrown on you. And you can look to that other person and say, wow, it's hot out here. Like that's, that is uh, worth it uh, in my mind for certain experiences. But you need to have developers willing to kind of experiment with multiplayer at larger scales uh, for that sort of I don't know, weather, shared weather, shared uh, haptics, even though a person is far away. Uh, I, I want to see more developers playing with those ideas. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, tea for God. Uh, maybe they could do, maybe they could do coffee for the devil as the sequel. And that'll be, that'll kind of scratch that itch for you, Ian. Is that, would you, wow. would you play that? No, sure. Okay. All right. Well, you know, uh, this is as usual, just been a fantastic conversation. I realize that we have, uh, we have quickly passed our hour mark and that is a wonderful thing because great conversation should have no time limit in my opinion. Uh, we have talked about all sorts of fun stuff and there's been plenty of people such as, uh, Dennis smashed reality, uh, Chris, 
Onakazi, Michael, Daniel. I mean, plenty of people here in the chat, and you guys have uh, had some very boisterous conversation, and I really appreciate that. If you are listening to this on our audio podcast or watching this after the fact, then, hey, still make comments. Let us know what you think. We do review those things after the fact. Um, do we have anything fun, new, and exciting coming up, Ian, that we want to share with the audience? Yeah, I want to talk about Archeo. So I'll have an article up on UploadVR.com very shortly about this architecture app that Heaney and I dropped into. It's called Archeo, A-R-K-I-O, and it is free uh, for this month. So uh, they're not going to sort of turn on their uh, pro and enterprise tiers until September 1st. So there's a, a, some time in here you can go in and, and really explore these tools but I, I was blown away. Heaney is, uh, I think, not as blown away as I am, but impressed. I just, uh, these ideas have been tried before. This is a fully, you can build uh, an entire cityscape in this experience. And you can change yourself from one-to-one scale uh, all the way to being a giant with a miniature in front of you. And you can do it with other people building uh, in the VR experience with you. Uh, version 1.0 is out today and you can go test this this runs on quest as well as other vr other platforms in general you can get an ipad app and sort of view the same model as someone else they're also integrated with a uh, revit uh the other rhino revit and sketchup so you can import models from those other experiences into this shared uh modeling space and i was just uh, Sculptor VR was one of my favorite apps from a very early time uh, in the VR space because it really tapped into the ability to shrink yourself down really small and fire little like uh, missiles at another person who's a giant. And it was just instantly fun being able to be a little person against a big person and be able to have control over the scaling. Uh, this gets the scaling just right for an architecture-based experience. The thing about Sculptor VR was all your... You're building really uh, misshapen things in that app, whereas in this, you're building right angles. And it's very, very well having, done the way everything snaps together. Having had my own experience through the years with architectural visualization and building in VR, uh, this running on the Quest and being able to import models from SketchUp and Revit and things like that, uh, I'll be really interested to hear on what the physical limitations are in terms of poly count draw calls and all of that stuff. So I would imagine Heaney has probably already made all those comments, haven't you? Yeah, like like Ian said, I was impressed by the actual features of the app and, and the various different platforms that they have it on. But but your performance was one of the things I noticed just wasn't up to scratch on Quest. And obviously that's something they can improve over time and, and they obviously will. But in the build we tried at least that the performance just wasn't there and you know i'm one of those people i don't get sick from locomotion in vr i can fly all over the place or thumbstick locomote everywhere but frame drops it just it gets frame drops get me sick and this, as i understand this, it right before they got to version 1.0 they did implemented some some changes at our sort of suggestion uh, where we kind of talked about the performance things. And I think it's probably running a little bit smoother. But you can change the time of day in there to cast shadows mm -hmm. in different ways. And that's a huge, huge impact. They, I think they turned some stuff off there. Applications such as this 
uh, can be can be used to make the argument of why PC VR needs to hang around is for enterprise items like this, in my mm. opinion. Uh, so. But I think that's the very thing that's that's so impressed me is because I I would be willing to deal with a minute of a frame rate drop in an experience like this in order to know what it looks like to stand at the street corner in front of the building that's about to be built. Uh, so being able to like this has hand tracking in it as well. Uh, so you could theoretically give this to a person headset only and they could resize themselves to big or small and move themselves around the model. And, and that's pretty incredible ability, uh, at on, on a standalone piece of hardware. So yes, you're absolutely right that yes, there's a good case for sort of throwing, uh, everything at it. But the fact that it also operates in standalone mode, even if they are sort of trying to, uh, figure out how to manage that frame rate, um, it's a powerful tool to me. Yeah, I'll be curious to to see how that goes, so we can look forward to that. Is there anything else that's going on uh, this week that we should tell the audience? No, Nothing? off the top of my head that I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, in case we change our minds and decide that there is something awesome, you can go find it on UploadVR.com as well as uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. I don't know, actually, if we do those things. I don't think we do. But uh, our YouTube channel is a bounty. Hamlet the Tablet? Of a Hamlet the Tablet. Daniel, they're right there. I kind of like that mm. one, Hamlet the Tablet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the idea that this is Stevie the TV, I feel like there needs to be a, a, a B. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. I don't I keep thinking to, about I, it. I don't want to go back to Chad the Pad because it's the only one that sticks with me. But I, I don't know. Like I don't really want to call it Chad either. I want to like this, you know? <laughs> I really want to like this. Hi, Chad. Uh, okay, well, I think that that wraps this up. So go check out UploadVR.com. Watch all of our videos. Like, subscribe, blah, 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 all those things that YouTubers say. Thank you, Ian, and thank you, Heaney, and thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you in the future.